have a seat. Good morning. It's been a while since I've been up here. This is my first time back up to preach since before I went on sabbatical, so it's been a few months. So it feels appropriate to uh, start with a confession. I'm glad you guys laughed the last service. It was like crickets. I was like, I'm kidding. Uh, I do have a confession. Sometimes I mindlessly scroll through social media. I know none of you do that, so you're not going to be able to relate to this at all. But I do feel like I should say that is not a direct result of me being on sabbatical. That, hap- that started in my life well before sabbatical. So, um, But yeah, I do that. Um, I was doing that the other day, and I love it when this happens. I came across something of some real substance that kind of made me stop. And I just reread this thing several times and found myself just kind of meditating on it because it's so painfully true. It was a post from Dr. Henry Cloud. He's the author of the Boundaries books, which I highly recommend, and I recommend you follow him on social media as well. He kind of called out this tendency that we humans have of deflecting deeper relationship. We tend to opt for the shallower, quicker relationship transactions, settling into the deeper, more vulnerable work of really getting to know others at a deeper level and of allowing others to get to know us at a deeper level. Like, that's harder for us, so we just don't do it as often. When if we were to really do some soul searching, I think we would all identify that deeper relationships is something we not only need, but we all long for. Yet we can be kind of dodgy about it. Why do we do that to ourselves? I think it's a defense mechanism, you know? And I think it's an interesting question to ask, when do we start doing this to ourselves? Like, when in our lives do we start doing this? I think more often than not, it's sometime around middle school. There's something about that middle school phase of life forces you to begin assessing some coping mechanisms you have for dealing with rejection in relationships or just plain old disappointment. It's around that phase we begin to learn what's expected of us in social situations. We begin to learn image management skills, and we go even deeper into that rabbit hole as we get older. We start throwing filters on our images before posting them on social media. Or on our Zoom calls, we're like adjusting for the best lighting and paying attention to what's can, what can be seen in the background. But no one tells you these rules, right? They're not physically written anywhere so that we can all see them. No one really talks about them. It's as if we just find ourselves drifting into this unspoken philosophy of living. And there's no author of this philosophy, yet millions of people follow this path. For now, let's call it the shallow way. Let's be honest, the shallow way has its benefits. A little shallowness allows us the ability to engage in small talk and remain polite even if we're bored, right? We can argue with our family the entire way to church and step out of the car with a smile on our face. Some of you did that this morning, huh? (laughs) We can be going through traumatic, painful things at home. And we can come to work the next day and give that presentation, or simply do what needs to be done for the sake of our responsibilities. Sometimes shallow is entirely necessary. 
right? Shallow in small amounts, it can provide relief. But shallow all the time, that's going to leave us empty. It's okay to take the shallow way. It's just not okay to always choose the shallow way. Because if, if we live too shallow for too long, we start to fall apart. We actually self-destruct. Isn't it interesting that the very construct we use to protect ourselves and to hold it all together is ultimately the thing that can undo us? Religion has been a friend of the shallow way for thousands of years. In church circles, we like to counterbalance the shallowness of culture by claiming we are deeper. But deeper how? Deeper in our understanding of theology? Deeper in our knowledge of the Bible? In the church, we have a way of making deeper just another version of shallow in disguise. We're trying to call that tendency out in this series that we're in. Our series is called Christ-like. We're looking at the life of Jesus, how he lived and operated in the world so that we can imitate him and be Christ-like. Imitating Jesus doesn't really look like deeper understanding of theology or deeper knowledge of the Bible. While those things are impactful, they're not the deeper way we are going to see in Jesus' actions today. There's a well-known recorded story in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus models by his actions what it looks like to walk in the deeper way. You can turn to Luke chapter 19 if you want to go ahead and find it. It's a well-known story because it's one of the first ones we teach children. And I want to ask you guys, what are the first children's Bible stories that come to mind when you think about those stories that you learned when you were little? What do you think of? David and Goliath. Noah. Jonah and the whale. How about this? How about a children's story that also has a song? Zacchaeus! We should sing the song together. Who knows the song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wow. He did what? He wanted to see... Zacchaeus, you come down. You guys, that was amazing. Well done. I couldn't remember what came after those first two lines. Uh, in the first service, did the same. There were a lot of them singing, and it all came right back to me. I, that's great. Let's take a look at the story of Zacchaeus in the Bible. Luke 19, verses 1 through 7. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. 
So it's notable that Jesus would act so personally with a person like Zacchaeus, this sinner, inviting himself to his house. Like, why is Jesus wanting to spend time with the most dishonest man in the community? Calling him by name? They've never even met. And that's the first example of the deeper way that we see in Jesus in this story. Simply simply calling Zacchaeus by name. I want you to picture Zacchaeus there that day. He had some guts to show up and stick around such a huge crowd. Everybody knew who he was, and Zacchaeus knew that. He was standing in a crowd surrounded by people he had cheated. If anyone there happened to call out his name, I imagine his first instinct would be to run. I bet he was tempted to turn around and just go home at some point. There's something about a crowd of people that makes loneliness even more intense. But Zacchaeus didn't turn around and go home. He ran ahead and he climbed a tree so he could see Jesus interact with people. And when Jesus, from the middle of the crowd, looked squarely at Zacchaeus and called him by his name, Jesus was modeling how you value someone. Jesus was recognizing him in, front of, in a crowd of people who had every right to dishonor and discredit him. And Jesus sees this opportunity and leverages one word to speak value and meaning to this man, Zacchaeus. The shallow way underestimates the power of someone's name. Whether it's the name someone's parents gave them and it's written on a birth certificate, or whether it's a name someone is respectfully asking you to call them for now. Choosing the deeper way, the Christ-like way of engaging with someone, it's purposeful and it's life-giving. And it really is a lot more than just calling someone by their name. It's truly seeing them. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, Jesus told a story about a man walking on this same road from Jericho to Jerusalem in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus talks about the deeper way of loving your neighbor, of taking the time to stop, to notice. When we're operating in the shallow way, we have a tendency to move fast, to avoid interruptions, to totally miss the people in our lives who are climbing trees. could be wrong, but I imagine Zacchaeus climbed that tree to see Jesus, not to be seen by Jesus. And I seriously doubt he climbed that tree to be seen by the crowd. I imagine it was quite the opposite. But Jesus wasn't too busy to notice this man in the tree, though arguably there would have been a lot of other things on Jesus's mind. He was on his way to Jerusalem to save the entire world, And he stopped on his way to the cross to engage with this human in the deeper way when he called Zacchaeus' name. This seemingly small interaction with Zacchaeus is the last recorded personal encounter that Jesus has with someone from outside his camp before he dies. After this stay at Zacchaeus' house, Jesus and the disciples go on to Jerusalem where he enters the city on a donkey and the events of Passion Week begin to unfold. Isn't that interesting? It's almost as if Jesus was like, I've got to model the importance of this one more time before I turn my full attention 
towards saving the entire world. And with this opportunity to model something for us, Jesus didn't choose to model the importance of your understanding of theology. Jesus didn't choose to talk about how the Bible was going to take shape and how the most important thing was that you memorized it all. Jesus didn't declare where we, as his followers, need to draw clear lines regarding how the people around us choose to live their lives so those people will know what we do and do not agree with. Jesus chose to model something very different. He was modeling empathy. Some divine empathy is pausing your own interests and opinions long enough to discover someone else's interests and opinions. And you know, Jesus didn't have to do much discovering of Zacchaeus here. Jesus knows everything there is to know about everybody. But Jesus knew that visiting Zacchaeus' home, that taking the deeper way and moving in more personally, that would make Zacchaeus feel known and seen in a deeper way. There's a big difference between Jesus and us. There's a lot we don't know about others. We often misunderstand and mistranslate the people around us. We often assume how we see the world as how sensible, reasonable people should see the world too. But that's a shallow way to think and to operate. And that shallow approach to relationships just makes people feel invisible, unseen. The people in that crowd assumed that they were right about Zacchaeus. There was likely a lot more to him that they did not know. What would the world look like if we all simply stopped assuming? What would happen if you and I became aware of what we don't know about each other? If I came to your house and you came to mine, what would it change about how we understand each other? What if we all chose the deeper way that Jesus modeled here of getting comfortable in someone else's house, even if that person makes you uncomfortable? What a powerful message. What if we took that even deeper and even more personally and not only chose to get comfortable where someone else lives physically, what if we tried to understand where someone else lives socially? What if we tried to understand where someone else lives culturally, emotionally? That's how Jesus lived. And it changed everyone he met. Zacchaeus left home alone, and he returned home with Jesus. Here's where I imagine this story gets really interesting. Jesus and the disciples arriving at Zacchaeus' house. There's not a lot to say in the Bible about that. But since this story is so well known as a children's Bible story, I feel like I should read something from a book while we're together this morning. Like, everyone do crisscross applesauce and keep your hands to yourself. We're going to have a little story time for a second. I've already quoted this book this morning, uh, but I want to read to you Reggie Joyner's words as he imagines these moments. Consider how this encounter might have felt to someone close to Jesus. Imagine you were Judas experiencing this strange encounter on the road to Jericho. As they entered the city, Jesus paused to call a grown man down from a tree beside the road. 
When the man descended the tree, Judas recognized signs of the man's profession at once. This was a tax collector. And from the looks of him, this wasn't just any tax collector. Jericho was a wealthy city, but this man appeared to have wealth even beyond what was typical for his trade. Judas followed in silence as this man, Zacchaeus, led Jesus and the rest of their group into the atrium of the largest home he had ever been inside. Extravagance was everywhere. It made Judas's stomach clench just to see it. This wealth could never have been acquired by fair taxation. Judas took in the arrested expression on the faces of the servants. From the look of it, they weren't accustomed to receiving guests. Well, that at least made sense. Zacchaeus couldn't be well-liked in the community. Fascinated, Judas watched as Zacchaeus ordered their meal as though their arrival was a well-planned event. Boiled eggs, cheese, bread, and honey, Zacchaeus said excitedly. Then bring out the fish and the oysters. And here, Zacchaeus actually caught Judas's eyes. Yes, all the oysters you can find, he elaborated. The party made their way across to the dining area, and Judas's eyes widened yet again at the table already set with apples, pears, figs. He couldn't remember ever seeing such a display of fruits. As everyone took their places around the table, Judas watched Jesus carefully. Hadn't he commanded a man of similar wealth to give every single possession to the poor? Surely, Jesus was preparing a similar mandate for this man. But Jesus seemed to be thoroughly enjoying his meal, as though he were blissfully unaware of the financial crimes that must have paid for this feast. What's more, Jesus seemed unconcerned with the conversations happening around them as they ate. How was Jesus going to justify this indulgence? How could it possibly be acceptable to share a banquet of this magnitude with this sinner? No, more than a sinner, a chief tax collector. Jesus seemed interested only in Zacchaeus. It was as if he could see past the luxury that was in such stark contrast to their typical wilderness wanderings and had eyes only for the man he had called out of a tree. With every bite, Jesus seemed to be saying, Yes, Zacchaeus, I love you enough to share this meal with you. And with every drink of wine, Jesus seemed to suggest, you are not alone as you think, Zacchaeus. There's a place for you at my table, too. It seems like one of the reasons Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus was so powerful was because of what it communicated to those who were watching. Because no one in that crowd or at that banquet table saw Zacchaeus the way Jesus did. Jesus never let public opinion change the way he saw anyone. The way Jesus saw Zacchaeus ultimately changed the way everyone saw Zacchaeus. Better yet, the way Jesus saw Zacchaeus changed the way Zacchaeus saw himself. Can you think of a million opportunities that we as Christians have to model Christ-likeness to the people who are watching us as we encounter other humans, humans we disagree with, humans who make us uncomfortable with their lifestyle, 
the world watches us as Christians and the way we see and interact with others. You know who I think felt especially awkward at this meal, watching the way Jesus saw Zacchaeus? Matthew. Matthew, the former tax collector turned disciple. Don't you know, he was watching every move and posture of Jesus. I imagine the way Jesus was treating Zacchaeus felt very personal to Matthew. If he ever doubted the love and forgiveness of Jesus before this, you bet he was certain of it now. Just watching the way Jesus loved. Love demonstrated just absolutely recklessly in the face of deepest vulnerability. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus. That is the deeper way. When did we start adding to that? Why do we have this tendency to want to water down this beautifully deep thing? We water it down when we think something more needs to be added to this to make it effective. We stop trusting that the gospel is enough. We have got to stop not trusting this gospel. I think it has something to do with that phase that we identified earlier that happens around middle school. Kind of like that. We reach a certain place in our spiritual journey where simply trusting the gospel begins to feel kind of risky. We've been pulled down into that deeper space of trust, and in that space, our awareness of our insecurities spikes. So we revert to these shallow things, and we start in with all this image and sin management and religious social expectation nonsense, and we stop trusting the gospel to do what it does. It changes lives. We self-destruct our faith by reverting to the safer, shallow ways. We commit to the letter of the law instead of clinging to the spirit of the letter. The letter of the law is dead. The spirit of the letter brings life. When Zacchaeus left his house that morning, he left it empty and he left it alone. That afternoon, his house was filled with men. And the very great teacher he had climbed a tree just hoping to get a glimpse of was at his table with them. This man who was the literal spirit of the letter in human form is at his table, drinking his wine and eating his food and enjoying his company. And Zacchaeus came to a conclusion right then and there. He knew when these men leave, I can never go back to my life the way it was before. So he stood up at the table right then and there, and he shouted out, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek 
and to save the lost. Isn't it interesting that Zacchaeus repents, even though Jesus never speaks about Zacchaeus' sin? In fact, in this part of the story, Jesus doesn't really do anything. There's no moment when Jesus walks through the home inquiring how Zacchaeus bought this statue or asks whether the food on their plates was justly acquired. Jesus understood that would have just been the shallow way in disguise. That's the way of the letter of the law that is dead and that he came to undo and defeat forever. The deeper way was to take some time to see Zacchaeus, to speak value, to model empathy, to move in up close and personal, just love on him. That's the model Jesus gave us with his actions. That is Christ-likeness. I want to invite us all to consider who we may be in this story of Zacchaeus. I think we can all play all of the roles that we see in this story. Sometimes we're in the crowd. Maybe we're just watching. Someone else stops for someone quite the opposite from who we would consider stopping for. Without awareness, we may want to grab for that letter of the law in that moment and point out some things about this person's poor choices That's just so familiar to us. It seems so simple and it feels so certain. This embodying of the spirit of the letter like Jesus did, it's a lot messier than that. Sometimes we are Zacchaeus. Sometimes we go looking for Jesus, but from what feels like a safer distance, you know, somewhere we can duck behind some branches and not be as obvious to him if need be. Somewhere others can't really truly see us either. Let's be honest. We never really get over the need to climb a tree every now and then. We are all on a journey. We all get stuck sometimes. We all revert to that shallow way sometimes. We need each other in our lives to be that someone who knows us personally and can call us by name to come down and back into the deeper way when we're ready. And in that right, sometimes we can be Jesus to someone else. Sometimes we're that person who stops and sees someone else and calls them by name. You might just be someone's best chance to be seen. Zacchaeus is proof that when someone rejects the shallow way and chooses the deeper way, it can change everything. As Jesus was about to enter Jerusalem and begin the week-long events that would lead him to the cross, he stopped for this interaction with Zacchaeus to model this for us. Don't miss how important this is, that we are sent to the people around us, and we reflect the image of Christ, and we bring his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven when we choose the deeper way. As we move back into worship, I invite you to reflect on some questions with God. 